We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our Monday edition the game plan as we look back at the weekend that was in Sooner Athletics and get you ready for the week going forward and the weekend ahead. On today's show, we're talking championships. The Sooners women's gymnastics team looking for national championship number three in a row. We'll talk to KJ Kindler. Coming up later in the program, the men's gymnastics program, I, I I don't have enough fingers to count all the national championships that Mark Williams has won. He'll join us on Friday's podcast. So we'll get you ready for the women's championship today with KJ Kindler, and then Mark Williams will join us later in this week. And also later on in the program today, we will sit down with Beth Mowens and talk a little bit uh, from a national perspective on the overall view of the Oklahoma Sooner softball team who have now won 29 straight games as they get set for a Tuesday night game against Tulsa and then we're off to Eugene Oregon for a showdown with the Oregon Ducks on Thursday and then games on Friday and Saturday with the Oregon State Beaver. So what do you say we get after it? Huge thank you for downloading, subscribing, and listening to the podcast. You can find us online at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And as always, give us a follow on Twitter at OU on the air. Beth Mowens, KJ Kindler, but let's start talking football. The middle first down 15 breaks through to the 10, still on his feet, and he's into the end zone. It's a touchdown. Marcelli is Sutton from 18 yards out. And Team White punches it in on the first possession of overtime. 
Nick Calcaterra and Reggie Turner, the wideouts, back to pass. Takes a shot at the end zone for Calcaterra. It is caught! Touchdown! First play! Austin Kendall to Grant Calcaterra. We played 30 minutes without a touchdown, and now they're flying all over the map. Rolling right, Kendall looking in zone, looking, stops, looks back left, looks right, throws in zone. It's incomplete, and the white team has won it. Adrian Peterson's team white has won it by the final of 10-9. to Everything around the spring game was amazing this weekend, from the ceremony to unveil the statue to the celebration the night before to the concert to the fun despite the wind it was still a fun saturday afternoon in the red white scrimmage our annual spring pilgrimage back to the palace on the prairie in which we get to celebrate football and kind of tuck it away for a little bit in our in our minds as we get set for year two under Lincoln Riley. But it was a day that was filled with fun, former players and celebrations. And I thought the best way to kick off the week would be to hear from the coach. So the game plan welcomes Lincoln Riley and his post spring game presser. All right. Uh, yeah, really happy about just the entire spring game weekend up to this point uh, today. I thought was a, a great start. I really want to start off by by thanking all 50 plus thousand of our fans that, that showed up today. Um, there was some challenging weather today as, as we know. Um, but that's, that's part of springtime here in Oklahoma. Uh, but I thought the, the fan support, the, the atmosphere, uh, you know, especially there throughout the entire first half was, was awesome. And, uh, I thought our team, you know, fed off of it. Uh, I love the in-game situations that we created by, by going, uh, by splitting it up and, and going against each other. And it actually, the game ended up being exactly how we would have drawn it up. We were sitting there throughout the week saying, well, if it's a tie, how are we going to break the tie? And we said, well, of course we're going to do overtime, but what are the chances it's going to end in a tie? And then and then it does. I was actually kind of happy, uh, maybe 50-50, but a little happy when Seibert's, whatever it was, 56-yard field goal clanked off the goalpost. I wanted there to be overtime. So that was that was great. Great learning experience for our guys. Uh, I thought we, you know, handled the competition pretty well, did a good job uh, coaching-wise with, with subs. There were some definite challenges there. Had a few guys get nicked up throughout the game like you do and had to communicate it. So, so many things that maybe you normally pick up in game one or game two that we were able to get accomplished today. So, um, you know, and then the other thing I'd like to say is really appreciate all of our NFL guys coming back. I mean, they've been tremendous. Uh, you know, AD, uh, Trent, those guys were fabulous as head coaches. Lane and Tony were down there stoking up both sidelines as assistant coaches. You know, you got Gerald McCoy getting the crowd amped up before the game and, and being there at the coin toss. And we had so many more back for for coaches event last night uh, that have also been around here. And it's been important for our fans. It's been great for our players. It's been great for our recruits. So I, I appreciate those guys very much. And they're, they're a big part of what makes this place, you know, just, just different and and very, very special. So uh, it's a fun weekend. Uh, Still got a lot more to go here with, with our recruits, but uh, again, appreciate the fans, appreciate the atmosphere today. And uh, I think this is a, a spring game event that we, we got a lot done. Uh, I think we're going to continue uh, to build on, and uh, I think it's got a chance to get bigger and bigger, not only for this football program, but also this university and, and our little part of the state here. 
From West Texas, you know how difficult it can be to throw in the wind like this. How difficult was it for those guys today, not just the quarterbacks, but the receivers passing? Yeah, games? it was challenging. It was similar to the Kansas game this year, you know, in that, you know, when you were into the wind, you know, you just, there's just a part of the field that's a little bit off limits just because it's just hard to throw it that far into that strong of a wind. Uh, Downwind, actually, though, at times can be a little more challenging. You see the, the one ball that Kendall threw down the middle. I mean, the wind just grabbed it and whipped it. And so you can't – it's a little tougher to throw the ball, anything up in the air, because once it gets in the wind, it just takes it and you lose control. So, uh, yeah, it, it challenged us a little bit. But that's – we're used to practicing in that. That's that's This was maybe a little extreme today. But we we did some decent things throwing and catching in it. I thought the, the quarterbacks handled it fine. There's a couple they'd like to have back. Uh, but uh, they did a good job with it. Um, and uh, like I said, moved it around a little bit, but I'm really proud of the way our defense played. You know, I thought we we stayed in position. You know, we covered well. We tackled extremely well. We got some heat on the quarterbacks. Uh, so it was back and forth like it's been all spring. Injury situations, Trey, okay? Yeah, they will look at Trey Sermon. I don't think it's serious. Uh, they'll evaluate him further, but I I think the early indications look look positive. With Justin Royals, or uh, I hadn't got a chance on those other guys yet. Lincoln, uh, with Austin, maybe it's because he's going up against Kyler in this competition, and Kyler is so mobile. I think maybe there's a perception that Austin just can't move. Mm-hmm. How did you feel like he moved around today? And what about that perception? Can he move around a little bit better than people think? Oh yeah, no. Austin's a mobile guy. I mean, there's not, there's not any quarterback in the country probably that's as mobile as Kyler. So I mean, that's you don't, I don't look at it that way. But just relative to other players, uh, Austin can move well. You saw a lot of long runs today. Was able to move around in the pocket and make some plays. And he's done that all camp. Uh, he's 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 back healthier than he's ever been, moving better than he's ever been. So uh, he he he's a person that when he's back there, they're going to have to account for him uh, uh, in a different way than Kyler, but certainly uh, very effective. And so he's he's settled in here. You know, I felt like that, uh, you know, early in, early in spring, you know, Kyler was playing pretty well and probably was, was playing a little bit better than AK, which was to be expected. Uh, if you got to remember all last year, you know, Austin was running the scout team. It was the same way last spring, but the opposite. AK came in, was a little bit sharper. You could tell he'd worked with us all year. Uh, Austin's really started to settle in here this last half of spring. Played really, really well. Um, thought he did a lot of nice things today as well. So uh, it's uh, it's neck and neck right now, without a doubt. The high standard that Baker has set for here for the last three years, does that make it difficult for you to judge these guys or, or act, uh, accurately uh, assess these guys fairly? Not really. What the standard is? No, not really. I mean, it's uh, I've seen high pl- high high level play, you know, throughout this spring, uh, spring games. You know, there's some there's a lot of different things as we've talked about in the past that sometimes work against you as a quarterback. Uh, if I remember right, Baker kind of stunk last year during the spring game. That's after already playing two years here. So I mean, that's that's part of it. I, I don't I don't put much into this, you know, as far as those guys. There'll be some things we can evaluate, especially how they handle the situations, but. Both those guys can play. You know, they, they've had good springs. They can, we can, we'll produce with those guys. You had you had so many young guys you've been happy with throughout the spring on defense. Now you had a chance to see them flying around in a game. What did you think? Yeah, they they did a good job. I thought they settled in. Uh, you know, played really sound. Uh, you know, forced some turnovers. You know, we got some constant pressure. We were able, even when we weren't turning guys loose, but able to just kind of squeeze the pocket on our guys a little bit. 
um, and did it without, you know, a lot of our top players too. But yeah, I saw some guys step up. Obviously, Miguel had the big interception down there. That was a great play by him. Um, and a number of our young guys flying around making plays. So I didn't see anybody out there that was hesitant. And, you know, from what I could tell, it's a little tougher for me to evaluate it after this than a normal game. A normal game, I'm there watching our defense, listen to our calls today, you know, trying to call it just from an offensive side on, on, uh, on both teams. So a little bit tougher for me to evaluate it right now. But, I mean, they were sound. And obviously, I mean, you know, it was, what, 3-3 after a half. So they played pretty well. Reception and the, the throw before that that uh, Buki broke up. Um, yes. Yeah. Did you kind of get antsy on both of those throws? Looked like there was traffic in both of them. A little bit late delivery or. No, no. The first one was actually was on time. Missed him just a hair inside. And yeah, Buki's a good enough cover guy. If you miss, he can make a play on it. Um, uh, yeah. Second one just tried to make make something happen that wasn't there. Looked off looked off a of safety and and uh, and then didn't see the corner fall back. So just got to stay through our progression. So. The quarterbacks were solid. I, they they had uh, the times they weren't good were when they tried to make a little too much happen, and that we they both had some examples of that. What do you have to have your quarterbacks do over the summer to prepare them for fall camp and continue this battle? Yeah, just continue to grow. There's you know we're gonna have a, a a ton of great film to go back through spring, evaluate what we've done. You know what we've done well, what we need to do better. Um, I think they're continuing to learn about our personnel. We'll continue to narrow down the personnel for them, which makes it easier. Um, uh, so yeah, it's just it, it's a process. We're just kind of in the middle of it right now. So I like what they're doing. I like where they're at. Uh, but we absolutely got to get better. Does the wind affect your play calling in the passing game? What you yes. want them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yes. A bunch of deep balls or. Yeah, a bit a little more. There's a little more to it than that, but I mean, yeah, there's there's uh, some things are a little bit better down, some things a little bit better into. Depends on if it's you know, depends on if it's if it's consistent one way, you can adapt. You know, a day like today where it's kind of gusting, switching on us a few times, a little bit tougher. What did you like or not like about the old line today? Uh, I thought we did a pretty good job running the ball. Uh, had some had some nice seams on a few things. Thought we might have missed a couple of cuts in the run game, but I, yeah, I thought we moved the ball a little bit. Um, I thought uh, pass protection at time we gave up a little bit of push, you know, which that's going to happen. But we're, you know, that was probably the group that this whole format was maybe the hardest on because now you've got you know kind of a smorgasbord of guys all over the place that haven't been working together quite as much so it was a little bit different for them so there were some good new challenges there uh i've been really happy i would say with the way that that cody ford's played we've used him a lot at tackle um and and very well may keep him there he's uh kind of been one of the not that we always felt like he was gonna you know be in the mix no doubt but i mean he's He's really established himself as as a guy that if we started today, there's there's no question that that he'd be out there. He's you know and and to do it at the tackle position, that wasn't something maybe that we were anticipating that he would do so well at that position so quickly without very many reps there. So he's he's had a great spring. Uh, you know I think Jonathan Alvarez has had a really nice spring as well, along with Creed Humphrey. That's a great battle right now. Uh, but Alvarez in particular has done a great job. Um, yeah, so we're growing there. You know, we're getting better. We've still got some depth, some talent, and it'll be very competitive going into camp. On uh, Kennedy Brooks, he kind of popped a few. Yeah, that's kind of what he does every day in practice. Now yeah, it's here he goes again. I mean, it's just kind of him. He kind of he's got kind of a unique running style. You know, he kind of slides through there. It's kind of easy, and all of a sudden he's out. But he's he's pretty smooth. He's a really natural runner. We got to get the other parts of his game to continue to 
to develop. You can tell what he did in high school. They and they were smart. They handed it to him about thirty times a game, and he averaged about three hundred yards a game in the best uh, classification of ball in Dallas. So uh, you you tell what he does well. Now he's got a kind of like Samaje was. You know, we got here. He's got to develop the rest of his game and become more rounded like Samaje uh, became. But he's uh, yeah, he's doing better. He's. He's had a nice spring. He's healthy. He's starting to get some confidence. Uh, proud of the spring he's had, especially the second half here. Rodney was out. You had yes. Rodney yes. out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then when Trey goes down, you, got a, you had a chance to look at the others. Can you talk about the depth, how you, how you feel going in below those first two? Yeah, pretty good. You know, uh, I think Marcellus Sutton's had a good spring. He's, you could tell he's much more comfortable within the system. Uh, understanding kind of the the second level of this, not just the base plays, but where things are supposed to hit, anticipating blocks, uh, made some explosive plays for us today. Kennedy, as we said, has been good. DJ Pledger is a little nicked up, um, just enough to hold him out, uh, but it really had a productive spring as well. So we've got, you know, we got five guys there we feel feel pretty solid about them. We do. And uh, so we've got, we've got some depth. Um, We've got a little bit more experience coming in with, with the fact that Trey and Rodney and and, and Marcellus have played, you know, a decent amount for us. Um, So yeah, if, I mean, if you were to compare it, probably like where we're at a little bit more this year than last year, certainly. Uh, And I do think there's some quality depth that we know we'll need going through the schedule. You know, that's kind of what Kennedy Brooks does, but when you have young guys or inexperienced guys, guys like Ryan Jones and Miguel Edwards that, make plays on this stage. Does that say something to you as a coach that you want to keep exploring going forward? Yeah, it tells you we got to keep recruiting. You know, it tells you that you got to keep bringing in young, great players. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan's been a guy that's uh, – we've been happy with his progression. You know, uh, you know, now that he's in there with, with, you know, Coach Mike every single day, he's just, you know, from a guy coming in that was primarily a receiver in high school and then a safety here and – so it's kind of been a it's been a big change for him, and uh, but Mike's done a great job. His progression has been rapid, uh, and he's got an undeniable talent. So he, he's disruptive without a doubt. Now proud of Miguel making the play on the big stage. Um, yeah, I hated we didn't get to get Redmond. Was kind of in the same uh, category as uh, as Pledger. You know, it's got a little banged up and just wasn't quite ready to go. Hated to not have him today because he's been good. Buki, as we said, has been good. Patrick Fields has done some good things. So, yeah, I'm excited about those young guys. Ronnie Perkins, another guy. I see him flying around today. I mean, all those young guys are, are going to help this program, most of them sooner rather than later. We always talked about Dimitri would be hard to replace. You get Carson and, and Jeremiah both today. Uh, you know, how they, have they progressed so far? Good, good. It's a good battle. You know, it's a good battle. It's, uh, you know, they – they're just on totally different ends of the spectrum right now. Carson getting to the close of his career, Jeremiah just getting rolling. But uh, they're it's been really competitive. I think they've benefited from again the change in the coaching staff. Where now it's you know kind of one guy zeroed in on them, and uh, you know so they're they're progressing. They're getting a lot of reps. Um, like the depth we're going to have there, and uh, but they they know the opportunities they have if they if they can win the job. A guy named Robert Charlton made a couple of defensive plays. Yep. We learned. He's come over from the track team. Mm-hmm. Is he going to play? What's his story? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. we got a few more practices before then. But uh, he's done a couple good things. Yeah, showed up, uh, eager. Uh, he's made a couple plays uh, throughout throughout uh, spring ball. He's got some got some obvious athletic ability, can run around a little bit. Still raw. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. He's got a chance.
What's next for your quarterbacks beyond what you told Eric about just progressing and growing? What's next for them to do this summer? Um, organizing seven on sevens. Yeah. How important is that in your eyes? Yeah, Kyler, you know, he'll get done with baseball here pretty quick. And then uh, hopefully they coach them. They've had a great run. So hopefully they can finish off a, a great season, have a good postseason run. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, into summer where they can really kind of zero in and, and get a lot of work done. And I think we'll have so much more to really look at you know, in that we can study what they've done this spring, you know, again, where we need to get better, getting on the same page with all of our skilled players. And and for us, it's starting to tailor the offense to what we think these guys can do really, really well. So like you are in all spring games, you're, you know, pretty generic today and uh, not really trying to game plan or base anything on, on certain players' abilities. So, uh, yeah, that's that summer will be big. That's a time where you can separate yourself. You know, a lot of it's, you only get what eight hours a week, I think, mandatory with them during the summer. So, but if they're only spending eight hours a week on it themselves, and they won't be the starting quarterback here. Could the draft, Major League Baseball draft, affect Kyler's progression? Uh, we've had some discussions on that. Uh, we're open and honest with each other about that, and I'm comfortable about where we're at with it. Lincoln, you you said that you want this to be kind of a. a, a jumping off points for your spring game, the festivities. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, how do you feel like it when it seems like the administration's happy with everything and how it, you're having a big recruiting? Yeah, I I mean, it's been it's been awesome, you know. It it has. It's uh you know, it's just it's kind of one thing after another. It's it's a lot. Uh, but it's but it's great, and I think I, we've got big plans for it. I, I think this could not only become a huge weekend just for OU football, but for our entire athletic program, uh, our entire university. I think you can build a lot around what you can potentially do this weekend, and so those are conversations that we've already started to have as we look towards the future and know that now, you know, next time we get a full year to really build this, we've got something to look back on and say, hey, here's what we did, here's what went well, here's what we can do better. Um, so yeah, I, I thought we were off to a great start. I mean, we, we put our heart and soul into this one. I mean, every ounce we had, we put into this one, but we'll be ready to do it again, even better next year. I think our fans will know what to expect. And, uh, I think we can build a lot more around it as far as the university and make it great for, for everybody, not just OU football. Sabia, can you offer, are you able to offer any specifics you're talking about when you say this could not, this doesn't have to be limited to just OU football? Like, give us yeah. a hint. Well, I mean, you you got you got a lot of other sports on campus, you know. And one of the best recruiting tools that we have is this stadium in here and OU football, and when it's when it's uh, when it's filled up, and a lot of our teams are able to use it during the season. And we communicated with a lot of our, of, our, of our other teams because we want to work well with them, and it's important to all of us that we all have success. And so some of them were able to use it, but I think as it's planned more in the future, you're able to get more teams around it. You know, university potentially being able to build days around uh, or around this weekend of having, you know, different prospective students in different events, you know, all kind of circulated around this. And uh, so it it can get really big. It can get as big as we want it to get. And uh, so those will be discussions that we'll have. Uh, But again, I I don't I don't see why that why this can't really grow and be something positive for everybody. The possibility of building around the spring for an entire weekend, was that something you thought about even before becoming head coach? Was it something that popped into your mind, like, maybe we can turn this into something after becoming head coach? No. When, when, 
What was the genesis of, of this thing? Just know? probably as we progressed trying to make this one as good as we could. You know, there were some things we knew we'd be able to do, but there's also some things with the timeline that we knew just weren't going to fit right now. And uh, so we had to work within the timeline. Now there's no timeline. You know, now, now we can plan ahead, and, and when we just try to look as big picture as we can, and we see big possibilities. For one more. I know you weren't there this morning, but what was your initial reaction on the David Bourne news, and how did you find out about that? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Just I don't know, tough to describe. God, you know that I'm very close to means a lot to me, and uh, so you know, such a you know tough for it to be such a great event and great thing, and then and and to see him not feeling well. So uh, yeah, it it hurts me. You know, it hurts me. So I'll be excited to. You know, to check on him, hadn't had to get a chance to get an update on him, you know, since the game got started. But he's, you know, he and Molly are in our thoughts and prayers right now. Rob suggested you might get your own statue in 25 or 30 years. <laughs> you think you'll be around that long? I was going to try to make it to year two. I just got through my first spring game, so I'm glad to get through that one. Yeah. You know, it's always interesting, post-spring game, you want to kind of share notes about who stood out, who caught your eye, who impressed you, uh, who do you think is going to be a difference maker come fall ball? Who do you think is going to be a guy that might surprise? And of course, this year, who's going to win the quarterback battle more than anything else? I had asked on Twitter uh, just a couple of people that may have stood out to you on the spring game, and I loved what Rufus Alexander had to say. He tweeted at us and made it very clear that he was impressed with the defensive guys. Rufus said, Addison Gump has put on some weight. He will be big time. Mark Jackson had some good moves on the outside. Ronnie Perkins showed us some flashes and Buki was as advertised five star. Overall, the front line did well. Linebackers were okay and it was good to see Bolton and Draper play. So good perspective from Rufus. We'll talk a little bit more about spring game thoughts coming up later on this week with Toby Rowland in the tailgate. All right, what do you say we shift our focus and talk a little softball? I had a chance to catch up with Beth Mowens. She is now hosting her own podcast, the Seven Inning Podcast, which we definitely suggest that everyone give a listen to, especially for the diehard softball fans, obviously. But Beth was on the call whenever the Sooners played on Saturday in Waco against Baylor. And we started by simply asking her perspective on the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, it, it's talking to Patty before that Baylor series, you, you realize it's sort of the same storyline as the last two years in terms of you come out, even though you've got a lot of kids coming back, you have that roller coaster ride through the first couple of months. And then you work your way in into mid-March, uh, early April, and you really start hitting your stride. And and it's been a similar story for them the last couple of years where you just kind of find your way. You find that chemistry. It's going to be a little different every year. You add somebody new, whether it's a, a Paige Parker three years ago becoming a dominant force, Paige Lowry last year, Aloe this year. How How is that all going to blend together? Um you know, how is somebody like a Shea Knighton uh, going to work through some injuries? And she seems to have found her, her way to contribute, even though it may not be in the power department as much. Um, and then you just have the consistency and the elevation of a player like Romero, who um, obviously has taken her game to the next level. So I, I think all the pieces are definitely there. Uh, I, I think everybody probably right now has circled on the calendar uh, that trip out to Oregon, I, I think that's going to be huge and and certainly an opportunity. I, I would say, Chris, if they continue to win out, even if the streak ends, 
if they can go out there and beat the Ducks and, and beat the Beavers, I, I I can't imagine them not being in the discussion for the overall one or two seed. Which is kind of crazy, too, because of the battle the Big 12 fights. I mean, again, this this reminds me a lot of, and this may be showing my age a little bit, of when UNLV would be dominant. And then everyone would say in basketball, oh, but they play in that West Coast Conference and the, our, our Big West, whatever it was. No, they don't play anybody. And then they'd get into the tournament and they would just beat everyone. The Big 12's getting better. You know, we'll find out about Texas in the next couple of weeks. Baylor's constantly ranked. But how big of an uphill battle is it for the Big 12 when you see the power of the SEC and the Pac-12? You know, that I, I think that's a huge deal. And I, I think, um, honestly, a lot of people look at Texas right now and say, hey, that, that needs to be the second or the third team uh, right up there with Oklahoma and Baylor. There needs to be a fourth team that can emerge um, on a consistent basis to, to help push the discussion forward uh, because – Oklahoma does have to schedule an Oregon later in the season or, or somebody non-conference to continue to bolster the resume, to continue to catch the attention of the national folks like us or the selection committee. And I, I really think this is going to be the next big discussion, I hope, in, in all of women's athletics. We need to start making sure that our selection committees have sport-specific people on those committees that can do the eye test. Um, it's great that we have all the metrics. It's great that we have all the numbers. Um, but I, I think for women's basketball and for women's softball and, and volleyball and soccer, we're at the point now where we need eyeballs on the sport in that selection room that can say, you know what, I know the numbers say that league isn't very good or as good, but I'm watching those teams in the middle of the pack and they're better than we think. And, and that's, I think, the next step, I hope, moving forward. Because otherwise, Oklahoma um, and Baylor right now are kind of out on an island and, and really have to help themselves as much as they can non-conference. Two more quick ones, and I'll let you run. First of all, your first episode was great because you talked to Michelle Smith. Uh, I believe it was Michelle, a little bit about the crow hop and kind of how that's become uh, something that I don't – I mean, again, Beth, you've called this for a while now with softball. I'm on my third year calling Sooner games. I feel like I watch every pitcher, and they hop off the rubber, and they are throwing an illegal pitch. How hard is that to not only police but gauge what's illegal and what isn't illegal anymore? You know, that's that may be the thing that is generating the most conversation year in and year out, Chris, is how, not only how do the umpires handle that, how do the fans deal with it? How do we call it? Because you're right. There are a lot of instances where, you know, it, it's kind of like a holding penalty in football. You could really call one on every play if you wanted to, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so um, at what point do we just say, hey, you know what? It's time to just make all the rules the same. If you can do that in the Olympics, then you need to be able to do that in college or vice versa. If you If you can't do it in college, Let's make sure it's illegal in the Olympics and let's find one thing. Um, and, and even then it's going to be hard to police because you're throwing a hundred pitches a night. And, you know, if you, you want to really slow down the game, then, then that's a sure way to do it. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things we talk about. And I'm sure the umpires are talking about it too. How do we maintain that balance between keeping a flow in the game and keeping the game as legal as we possibly can. And then I'll let you go on this. We got pretty excited here in the Norman OKC area when we saw the renovations to 
the USA Softball Hall of Fame Stadium. Beth, I know we feel like it's the perfect place for the Women's College World Series, but when you see these renovations coming, is there a good chance we could see the Women's College World Series here for quite a while? You know, that that would be my my thinking. You know, there there are two things. One is has been the stadium and um it's great to see Oklahoma City continue to make the moves to make improvements there. Um, as this thing gets bigger and bigger, they have to continue to respond to the growth of the game. And the, the other thing I think is the weather, and you're really never going to be able to great point. change that. You know, with, with all uh, you know, with uh, the ever-present danger of the tornadoes, and obviously in some years in the past uh, that has come into play while we're there for the World Series. Um, but other than that, I mean. The fan base is phenomenal. The, the folks there, when you come to town, are spectacular. Um, it, it's it, one of those things where I think in, in women's sports and even on the basketball side now, they're considering finding, you know, there's been a lot of talk about going to Las Vegas for the Sweet 16 each year. Um, it works. It's a model that works in women's sports is if you can find one place and develop it there, and the folks who live there year-round embrace it like they do in Oklahoma City. That That is a huge plus because now you, you already have in place. They know how to do it. They know how to make it happen. They know how to make it successful. And so, you know, hopefully those renovations will continue to get better and, and better uh, because the game isn't going anywhere. Right. Uh, there is a huge push at ESPN to try and build this to the point where, it's as big ratings wise as, as women's basketball and it's getting closer rapidly. So um, that's something that from a production standpoint, we want to make sure that everything we're dealing with facilities wise is top notch too. Great stuff from Beth Mowens. It's a championship mindset on the softball field for Patty Gasso Sooners as they're looking for their third straight national championship. Also, Looking for their third straight national championship, the Sooners women's gymnastics team. They've won back-to-back titles three in the last four years. And as they're on their way to try to qualify for the Super Six and win another national title, we caught up with KJ Kindler. How did you feel overall about the performance in Minnesota? Yeah, it was actually it was a really incredible night. Our team was very calm, uh, very confident. Um, started on floor, which I think I mentioned last time we talked is, is a little bit different than what we're used to and handled it. Awesome. Like, uh, best, best routines I've seen from them all year. Um, including, you know, AJ, Maggie, just, just killing it out there. So getting started off like that was really important for our team. And then, um, just kind of followed up every single event with great performances. You know, we, you know, as a coach, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all the things and we could have stuck some more dismounts on bars and vault for sure. But finishing on beam is never an easy thing in a championship event when you know, everything's on the line and uh, nailed every routine, not a single wobble and only one dismount that was, that had a step. So really pleased with how they basically how they started and finished that meet. With that said, it was kind of unique for Maggie to be able to perform in her home state was there, I noticed she even broke out a, a new uni to sport on Saturday. I know it's not called a uniform, Coach. You can correct me anytime <laughs> you want. But with that said, how was it for her performing in her home state and having what I would imagine an incredible amount of family and friends there? Well, first of all, let's just say that it was a sold-out crowd. Wow. So you could not get a ticket 
to the competition. And I would say probably a thank you note to Maggie Nichols for doing that because uh, so many of those people were there to support her. I'm not just talking about family and friends, but just flat out fans of hers uh, from the area that watched her grow up there. And uh, I'm telling you, when she stepped up to compete, the room was louder than it was for anybody else. It was pretty wow. amazing. And I'm sure she felt a little pressure. You know how you feel when you you have uh, that much support in the room and, and uh, you want to perform so well. But she was able to do a great job, obviously, finishing with a 10 on beam, which is really unusual in postseason. You, you rarely see a 10 because we have more judges and it's harder to get that perfect score. So we got time. Uh, April 20th, what's the plan between now and the trip to St. Louis? How do you, I mean, obviously nothing new for you, coach, but you, you learn from every trip. Is there anything that you do differently? Is there anything that you want to adjust in the schedule between today and between uh, April 20th? Yeah. You know, our team's been very committed the whole season. You know, that that's been our thing is that we really, um, we, we called it separation and preparation. And we did that all preseason, just trying to separate ourselves from the competition during the preseason, doing things that maybe our competition wasn't doing. And and now we have nine days or eight days now (laughs) and only six workouts. So so there's very little, you know, that we can actually do except just be our same committed selves and and work. Um, I know they're going to work hard, but we need to work detailed and uh, make every minute count and uh, going into this championship, just continuing to build our minds because I think that's, that's where the championship lies is in our head. So with that in mind, how is it fine tuning in your preparation? Is it rest? I mean, I, I don't know, coach, do you continue to grind away? Are practices different? How do you approach it from that perspective? Yeah, um, practices are are very team-oriented at this point and less individual. And so a lot of things we'll do as a group. And recovery is hugely important, as you mentioned. So um, making sure that they are getting quality recovery. We we came back on Sunday morning, but we we didn't work out yesterday. We spent the day um, doing some stretching and recovering. We need to stay strong through the end. That's always important. Um, So you, you can't change things too much. Your rhythm is doing such a good job for you. So we definitely want to stay in rhythm and do all that. But, but yeah, I mean, all those things are so important, equally important. You know, you want to work hard, but at the same time you want to rest hard. So um, it's a, it's a strange formula to master, but we do our best. Yeah. And I would imagine it's a little bit different because when, when you and I were in school and obviously you weren't an elite athlete, I just sat around and talked about it all the time, coach, but it was always that mindset of, Oh, you got to grind away. You got, while you're resting, someone else is working. I really feel as if, if there is one area that we continue to educate ourselves as a whole, it is that need for rest because I mean, come on, it, 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 it's, it's funny how much things have changed because we get how important it is to let your body recover. And that wasn't always the case, I think, in preparation. No, I agree. You know, well, science has really stepped in, hasn't it? And told yeah. us that, you know, that's not actually good for you <laughs> <laughs> to, to kill yourself every single day. You know, so so we know that um, our team probably gets really tired of hearing me, you know, preach about hydration and, and rest and getting the proper sleep they need is hugely important. So, 
you know, not procrastinating in their classes right now and staying on top of their work and being organized actually will create a less stressful environment for them and allow them to actually get good rest. You know, having the day off doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're capitalizing off of it. So we definitely have, you know, educated them on how to do that. And, and, but ultimately it's up to them, you know, they have to get in a, a Zen place. <laughs> and, and it's and it's also not like a an off day for me where it might be a bag of chips uh, chips and Netflix. You know, it's it's proper rest. And I hope games. not. I hope not. <laughs> hey, so <laughs> let, let let me wrap up on this because, like you said, eight days, which seems like a long time, but in the whole grand scheme of things, Coach, it really isn't. We talked about the key for the athletes. What's the key for you and your coaches? How do you keep yourself calm and relaxed in getting ready for St. Louis? That's hilarious. um we honestly we were um what's really important to us is how we're motivating right now um because i feel like a lot of times those athletes leading into a championship are hanging on your every word and so um extreme positivity is really important right now and uh, making sure we're sending the message that we know they can be champions and we're preparing to be champions it doesn't mean we will be champions, but we're going to do everything we can to, to get there. And, you know, as, as coaches, it's hard to relax really quite honestly. Um, and, and I find regionals, the meet we just came off of the most stressful of the year, because you never, as a coach, you can never take for granted that you're just going to move on. You, you never do, you, you know, better and you know, anything can happen in sport. And so, um, that meet to me is the most stressful. This is a huge reward to move on to the biggest stage you know, that NCAA gymnastics allows. So um, we might be a little more chill as a staff right now. What a week ahead for Sooner Athletics. What a week in the rear view. Incredible stick for the Sooner Nation with the wind and everything that was working against us. Cold weather on Saturday, but from the football game to the softball game to the baseball game, Sooner Nation showed out and it was incredible. It'll be a fun week. We'll talk to Mark Williams on Friday. Toby Rowland will join us. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading the Sooner Sports. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading and subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until Friday, everyone have a great week and Boomer Sooner. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.